Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Thor MX. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. As usual, with me on the line is perhaps one of the greatest motor, motocross riders ever to, uh, to race indoors, to race outdoors, um, whatever you want to do. The great Rick Johnson. RJ, what's up? I'm just hanging out here. It's great to finally get to do this, Steve. I mean, you've been chasing me around for a while, but, uh, you know, the way work schedule has it, I've been a little busy and raising mm-hmm. the family. But um, but other than that, I'm stoked to be to finally be on your podcast. Yeah, and uh, we got to thank Lou Lopez for setting yes, us up. Yeah, Lou, Lou was the one that he's a persistent little guy. <laughs> you know, he, he kept going. What are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why are you ditching this guy? Yeah, and it, it was just it was just one of those things. So it's awesome to be on your show. Of course, I had the wrong number for a while too. We were texting some some guy uh, that yeah, wasn't so- you. <laughs> yeah, so probably some dude from Orange County named Raul. Right, they right. Got my, they got my old my old AT and T line, but yeah. um, we're we're on a home line now, so we got a good <clears> connection and that. So um, things are awesome, man. Yeah. My life my life has been crazy since I left motocross and supercross and got into the trucks and you know have a family. Yeah. Uh, still twenty two years. I've been married to my wife Stephanie, and we have three beautiful kids. Uh, Luke that just turned twenty one on February 20th, and Jake, my son, who's uh, our son that's in Colorado Springs playing lacrosse, Mm -hmm. my daughter, who's a senior in high school, Cassidy, um, here in Orange County at El Toro High School, and uh, so we're we're staying busy. Yeah, I follow you on Twitter. A lot of truck racing still. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on with that. Um, Do you enjoy it? Does it get your your adrenaline going, I guess, Gets uh, gets the competitive juices going? I'll be honest with you. You know where I'm at in my life right now. It, it's awesome. You mm-hmm. know, you know. We make a joke with age comes a cage, but it's true because just my knees. I mean, hell, you watch. You know, my dad makes comments. You know, if I win a race and I have to climb up on on the roof of the truck, <laughs> you know, it. I'm down to bone to bone on everything, and yeah. and, and you know, 48. I don't want to do knee replacements because they tell me, oh yeah, you can walk around and golf, and I'm like, well. Uh, I'll I'll just deal with the pain, I guess. But but you know that's the hardest part of the race for me is getting out and climbing on top of the truck. But when I'm in it, you know I got my fitness level to a point to where I'm in great shape for truck racing. I'm in terrible shape for motocross. But you know, but my body just doesn't work like that anymore. Right, and you still and, get out on a bike every now and then. I see yeah. day in the dirt and stuff. Yeah. yeah, day in the dirt every year. I uh, love that. Um, probably ride way harder than I should. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awesome, Matasevich. You know, Chicken and I had had a dice this year. It was great. It was, it was like, okay, here we go. We got this, you know, Saddleback versus Indian Dunes versus Carlsbad reunion race. And right. <clears throat> next thing you know, everyone, all these other guys, Burnworth and all these past pros. I figured once a pro, always a pro. You know, everyone would sign up as pro. Well, yeah. 
it was Chicken and I and one other guy. So now it's like there's a spotlight dance with he and I, and so both of us are too, you know, too arrogant to give up. Right. So we just we battled back and forth the whole time, but it was awesome. Same old chicken, cut me off, chopping me, and then I got pissed and chopped him back and right. went back and forth. But it was an awesome time. And um, also still raced out in Baja. I raced trucks. And mm-hmm. then this year I, I raced with Jeff Kaplan and uh, Ron Wilson, and we won the 40-plus class. I did the first 170 miles, and and I just, you know, I love it down there. It's a different style of riding. and mm-hmm. you, know, you know, people say, oh, you only did 100 and, 70 miles. I'm like, well, think about that for a moment. Right, right. right. <laughs> How far 100, 170 miles is? So you don't decide to do four pit stops, yeah. and um, you're on the bike for a long time. You know, I was out there four and a half, you know, four and a half hours because it's not just wide open. You're in mm-hmm. and out through sand washes and rocks and hills and bumps and jumps and and all that. So you're out there for a while. But so I still get around. You know, uh, uh, I noticed. You don't do a ton of motorcycle racing or riding. Um, even for a guy, you know, as great as you are as a racer, is it is it either A, the wrist uh, isn't the same, the body isn't the same, or some guys, I'm trying to think who I was talking to, maybe it, maybe it was Tishner. Someone was like, I just, I'm scared because my mind is still 25 years old. Is, is that maybe why you don't, like say World Vets or, or these things, I mean, it, it, the motocross, uh, don't see you much out there. Is that why? Well, when it comes to, like, major competition like the VET Nationals or the, you know, whatever the case might be, you know, um, I just, I know, I mean, Tishner put it exactly right. You know, your brain's 20-some years old. Mm-hmm. It, you're going to get into a race. Um, also, I just don't want some guy that's been healthy his whole life and, you know, is going to get a shot at me and mm-hmm. say, because you're not, I mean, you're not getting... You know, and I hate talking to the third person or anything like that, but you're not getting me as as I was. Right. So, so to say you're beating me is is not is really you're not saying much nowadays. <laughs> if you beat me on a motorcycle, it's like, hey, God bless you, good job. Right, right. You know, right. You, you'll, you'll never you're not going to qualify for a national, and you know you're yeah. not going to do anything. But, but um, and so so that's part of it. Also, with my wrist, it is I can ride to a certain speed, but if I try to push it anything mm-hmm. past that, I compromise my body position and I end up on my ass. Yeah, yeah. And so, <clears throat> so where I'm at is I love riding. It still hurts. I have to had to modify my stuff. But the good thing is when I ride is because I do so much instructing now with the with the military guys and stuff mm-hmm. that I work with that I'm constantly critiquing myself. So, in you know, I have this you know. ADD voice in my head telling me all the crap I'm doing wrong while I'm riding and actually right, right. It, it, it polices me not to get out to get out of my comfort zone so it works out well yeah talk, talk a little bit more about that military training I, I saw something in Racer X magazine about it I think we did a story on it or somebody spoke did something about it uh talk about that a little bit what's what's going on and uh and how is that well, I've been working with the guys with, with some different agencies, some guys overseas, some guys here, uh, some Navy and some Army, and and so so I can generalize the term of military special forces. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't get into what specific units right. or teams or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but they have cleared me to say that, and um, it's something that my son Luke and myself and Brian Pernard, um we do the motorcycles, we do side by sides, you know the UTVs or yep. the you know the rhinos or the the Polaris Razors, mm-hmm. and um, uh, then we also do offensive and defensive off-road driving, wow. and then we're teaching people how to pit people and stuff because my truck racing 
it you know it teaches you how to drive close and yep. if you need to crash somebody or manhandle them in a vehicle. So I'm able to, to verbalize that and transfer that knowledge to these guys. And so we've been doing that for, for quite a while. And I, I just I enjoy it because it's my opportunity to be a patriot. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was my dad served in the Navy. You know, I I raced motorcycles and you know I signed up for the draft because the draft was reinstated when I turned 18, but I didn't get drafted. And so I pursued a motocross career. So I'm thankful that these guys put themselves in harm's way um, mm-hmm. and and fight uh, a very what I feel is a very good fight that they fight and against a very, very dark enemy, and so that we can live in, mm-hmm. and ride motorcycles and, you know, love our families, and our daughters can grow up to do great things, and we're not living under their, what I feel is the wrong set of rules. Mm-hmm. Um and and well, that's pretty cool. Does anybody know you as the Rick Johnson? In that? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Like, I don't know if the kids are—they're probably younger. But uh, does anybody kind of know your background and are like, "Oh my God, look at RJ Two Hip is yeah. teaching me." It, well, it goes back and forth. You know, some actually some of the older guys, like some of the very first guys I trained, knew me, and that helped get me a job. You know, helped get me in the door. Um, <clears throat> in fact, a guy named Rob Latham, who I I've been an Oakley. Uh, athlete was, and I met him in 1987, mm-hmm. he, and he's a professional shooter. You okay. know, he's, he's one of the fastest uh, uh, shooters in the world when it comes to pistols and, and stuff like that, so he trains these guys. And oh, okay. So he got me sort of a tryout with them. You know, they came out to California, we did it, and it worked out great. Um, so some of them remember me when they were a kid, but mm-hmm. now, what's funny is that now some of these kids are so young, they, I mean... Hell, they most of them don't even know who Jeremy McGrath is. Good point. You know, That's a good point, right? You know, right. It's the next step, the next step. So I have to, I have to tell them to ask their dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was just at um, uh, where was I? Dallas uh, and and DeCoster still was getting photos and signing things, and I was waiting to to get five minutes with them. And Roger was like a rock star. I was impressed. That's cool. You know. Yeah. Well, well, because you got you you have the. The second, the next generation, you know, mm-hmm. the guys that were kids, you know, like uh, like me, like Roger was my hero, right. you know, still is, uh, still is my hero. I don't mean not in past tense, mm-hmm. but when he was, you know, when he was a team Suzuki and all that, just it was, it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. So now what you're seeing is all these guys have, have had kids. They're, you know, they're, you know, they're some of their kids are older, and so they're coming to the races. So you have that whole fan base mm-hmm. that's getting to know Roger, and then also. You know, Rod, they're using Roger in ads. He's in the magazines. He, you know, his face is—he's still relevant, mm-hmm. and and he's the man, man. I mean, you, you gotta, <laughs> he is right. How, how can you how can you say a bad word about Roger DeCoster? Hey, Todd, you you brought up Oakley there, and it reminds me. I got you on the phone. I can I can get you to either confirm or deny this urban legend about you and Oakley. Yeah. Um, I worked at Yamaha as a factory mechanic for uh, four years, and uh, Bob Oliver still there, yep. great guy, your old mechanic. Bob told me a story. That back in like 82 or whenever, 81, 82, Jim Gennard, founder of Oakley, yep. was around the scene, you know, peddling his grips. Yep. And uh, he, he was asking guys for some capital to invest in this grip company called Oakley. Yep. And you guys both were like, nah, forget it. Yeah, I, I did not. I, he didn't. He never asked me that. But oh, okay. I, will, I will tell you a great Jim Gennard story. Sure. Yeah. In 1982, I was a Scott guy for a long time. This was before Bevo, and mm-hmm. this was back when um, Duke 
uh, was the guy. Right. You remember that? You remember Duke? I don't remember him. He just he's infamous <clears throat> a little bit because of the Ponca City thing. So right, right, right. right. Well, that, that's 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 the one negative side, but of that that hor- horrific yeah. uh, car crash. But anyways, Duke worked for for Oakley, mm-hmm. and Duke would come to all the races, and he would put he would give you your goggles with tear-offs on it. Mm-hmm. And if it was sunny, he would come up to you on the starting line and give you, do you want, do you want smoke? Do you want right. this? Do you want that? Do you want clear? Mm-hmm. Do you want a nose guard? Do you want no nose guard? It's hot. What, whatever the case may be. Right. You know, and I was like, and I'd be back there, you know, putting all my tear-offs <laughs> right. on and doing right. all this stuff thinking that is so cool. I mean, that, that's like, that's rock star treatment right, right there. Right. And, uh, because putting tear offs on was a lot harder deal. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the pins back then. Oakley was the first one with the pin system, and mm-hmm. so you could put multiple tear offs on. <clears throat> you were lucky if you could get six on there, right? You know, three side, and, and without pulling them all apart. And typically, I always grabbed the wrong one, right? But um, but anyhow, so I was in. You know, I Duke would come up and talk to me during the races and this and that. Well, in the end of '82, my contract was up. I, was, I went to the Japan Supercross, and Jim Gennard was there. And he came up, and he's like, hey, I'm Jim, you know, the owner of Oakley, and I met him once or twice. Right. And uh, he goes, you know, I think you'd be great for our roster. You know, we got Barnett, we got uh, <clears throat> the Bomber. And that Bomber ad with him was just so classic. We got Jeff Ward, Osho, and we think you'd be a great addition to the team. Right. You know, would you be into it? <clears throat> and I'm like, and so in my contract that, you know, Duke had to be my friend for life and stuff, <laughs> you know, and then unfortunately that happened with the, you know, with the car crash and stuff. Right. But right. that, you know, Jim would come to the races every now and then. And, and back when I was like, it, kind of in the height of my career, I think it was mm-hmm. in 88, all of a sudden Jim shows up because I think it was, it wasn't Mike Bell or somebody else mm-hmm. who was the, I think Lewis Wellen. <clears throat> Anyways, he had some issue at home. And so Jim comes rolling in and, <laughs> It 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 uh, Seattle, yeah. it, you know the Oakley guy, and nobody knows it's him except me. <laughs> right. Well, right, well right. hey Jim, and these guys are coming. Go, oh, hey, you got any stickers? Uh, right. hey, can I get a free set of goggles? And you know, <laughs> are you that Oakley, are you the Oakley guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, way more than you know, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Well, okay. So, the, so the, the urban myth is not true. You did not uh, not invest in Oakley because that, uh, that I wish been... <laughs> I wish I would have. I mean, right. a lot of a lot of people made money. But, uh, no, um, I, I, I did not have that opportunity back then. Um, hey, a uh, couple things. Um, do you go to much races? Do you follow the series much uh, these days? Yeah. Are, you, are yeah. you watching it and everything? Yeah, um, I'm watching the races. Big, still a huge fan. You know RV is, yeah. is, is, just, is tied with you now, I think. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> I mean. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, RV tied uh, 27 career Supercross wins. Good for him. He, um, he should be. Should have beat it a long time ago. <laughs> What's your take on the series? What do you think? Uh, you know, I just did one of these with, with the Hurricane. Uh, I've done a couple of them, but I just did one the other day and uh, spoke to him about different stuff. And, and, you know, he seems to think that the tracks are uh, – the tracks need to get a little more technical. They need to get a little easier. They're, they're a little, little – not they're, – they're too easy right now. Uh, what's your take on all of the, of the series and the riders in general and, and all that? Wow, that's amazing that Hannah would say that. that I, w- I would have bet my life savings that he would have said that the tracks are too too busy. No, really, because no. that because my my take on it, you know, I thought you know I thought Dallas was good mm-hmm. because it was faster. You know, um, I don't like the way they're building the berms because it makes too many one line. 
And I know that they can't make the berms real steep because they're afraid of ejecting a bike into the stands. Again, mm-hmm. I, I, I get all of that. But they're not they're making they're making it to one line with the way the berms are. You mm-hmm. know, like there's there's no reason to go out and use a berm because it just opens up the inside and with these four fifties and you know, <clears throat> the way they the way they're hard to stop and re and, and start again, mm-hmm. you know, you kinda gotta keep them rolling and they're swoopy and, and you know, I think I think four fifties are ruining supercross, but you know, they're fun to ride yeah. and, and all that stuff. I, I dig them, but when it comes to just the racing I think it's messing the sport up. I feel that they need to make more passing lines, so they need to work on where the angles of the turns are, how the turns are going. But I just think they need to have one or two stretches where the guys really haul ass and use their brakes. You know, show me some speed. It's just I felt that the Anaheims, you know, I think one Anaheim one through 28 or whatever it was there, (laughs) um, too busy. Yep. Way too busy, just too bop, 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 bop. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like, damn. Let me hear, let me hear that thing go and and let it rip and and have some whoops and some speed. Bring some speed into the track. It's to me, I disagree with Hannah. I think there's too much shit on the track, and they need right. they need to open it up. Yeah, the the bikes definitely are a problem when you have a guy making a turn, he touches the ground twice, and he makes another turn at the other end of the stadium. Basically, it, you know. Yeah, and, and and yeah, it's awesome. But once once a guy does a jump. And now all the jumps are the same, and yeah. and really, are are we so protective over these guys that now they, you know that they're making it to where you have to have all left hand first turns? You know, yeah. what what is that all about? I mean, oh, he can't he can't use his back brake. Well, he, <laughs> you know, we did yeah. it for years, and what are you going to do when he turns right on the other time? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Wyndham, I brought the same up to Wyndham just as a media guy. I said, hey, the last time we had a right hand turn, I'm like, hey, we got a right hand turn. What do you think? He's like. Uh yeah, we all ride, go right hand turns all the time. We're all right, you know what I mean. Basically, like wondering why I'm making a big deal out of it. He's just like it's nothing, you know. Well, a lot. The funny thing was is in the old days, most of the first turns were right hand turns. Yeah, the the funny thing is too is now you know after Oakland the the big crash in the whoops, they changed Dallas. Dallas was supposed to be a, a left hand turn, and then the first set of whoops. And they moved it to like a rhythm section, and they, and they don't want to put a triple there because that causes danger. And eventually, I'm wondering when they just flatten it because I mean you got to put something in that first lane after the start. These are all highly paid professional racers, so it's a little little weird why they're the overreaction, you know. But well, the thing is, they they can do some stuff. They could do some rollers to where uh-huh. you know guys can manual them, you know, right. manual three, jump two, you know, and. And and work to where it works out a little bit different, and it keeps guys from from getting plowed, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but you got to do something to slow them down for that hairpin right turn or left turn, right? You know, that's right after it, you know. But that's more dangerous. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna make a turn that's more important, a, a slow first turn, you know, a open first turn versus a tight hairpin, that's where you need that where it needs to be a left because. Mm-hmm. You know, guys are stopping. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can we get? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but uh, the guys that failed have rightfully so taken away the the, the parade lap after the opening ceremonies. Uh, right. Can we get you back in charge of that, maybe? Because you know, you you were a guy that was a show guy. I mean, you the things you were doing back when you raced were pretty amazing for the fans and all that. And our guys now don't do anything. They they just they just so Fell just went okay back to the pits. Do not right. do not. Because if you guys are just going to do, you know, just 
don't just don't even do a cross up or anything. Forget it. You know, we need right. to make you in charge of this entertainment part of our sport. Everyone's <laughs> taking this too seriously these days. Well, you know, it, there, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, I'll tell you one thing: it's Harry, and and I all respect for for Wyndham how he does those giant manuals with a spotlight because even yeah. on a, even on a track that you've ran practice and mm-hmm. you've done everything. When you're getting hit with a spotlight, you can't tell your ground speed. You can't, you don't know, you know, you can't really see anything. And then they blast mm-hmm. you in the face with that, with that spotlight. Yeah. It, it scares the hell out of you. And, and so I can, I can, I can dig that, okay. but I still think even, uh, and it does, and I, I don't think they need to go do a giant cross up and whip or backflip or any of that crap. I think just when a guy cruises around with his helmet off and pauses on top of a jump and mm-hmm. and waves at the at the fans, it gives them a touch because I always tell people, man, when you go up to it, when you go up to a jump stop on the triple, and you point to, you know, the first base section, and there could be right. ten thousand people there, but when you point to it, every person says he pointed at me. Right. And so, so you create that bond with with the fan, and they also see them without their helmet on and all the mm-hmm. different stuff. And you know, most of them are sober at that point. So <laughs> it would, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I would like to see. I'd like to see guys grab the mic and rip into them like you did at the Rodale Cup. Yeah, I'd like to well, see that. Well, that, that, that <laughs> that's a real proud moment of mine, right there. <laughs> what are you, are you joking? Or are you being serious? No, I'm joking. Why? Man. That was cool. Well, my, well, what are you my voice about? is all high. Well, yeah, your voice I, is. I don't high, know what but... the hell I had in my hand. I had some rag in my hand that I'm swinging around. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell that was. No, that was cool. Don't let anybody tell you differently. That was cool. Well, um, just to be honest, with you, I just felt like a fool. You know, I'm like, <laughs> oh, this would be cool. We'll all start in the back because I like passing people. Um, you know? Yeah, I know. And, I know. Man, uh, uh, Lachine was like, yeah, I, was, I asked him one time on one of these, what do you think of that? What do you think of that speech? He's like, oh, man, it was just Rick getting more fans, but he was right. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, the thing was is that they understood it. Right. But they were smart, you know. It, but it was just the way they did it was just driving me nuts, man. John Vandenberg is like rolling around in second gear like he dislocated <laughs> his shoulder. He's putting on this big act. And then right. – Ronnie just goes up. Ronnie just sits down and just <laughs> rides around. And I think Jeff Ward or O'Mara just went into the peristyle and didn't yeah. come out, you know. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, fifth place, boom. I'm like, oh. Wow. I, felt like, I felt like the biggest sucker in the world because I went out there and thought, well, I'm going to go fast and try to win and show everybody. And Yeah, get the second row, but whatever. Who cares, right? Yeah. Um, hey, it didn't work out so good. <laughs> Uh, Racer X, we named our 30 greatest supercrossers of all time. I don't know if you were paying attention to that or seen yeah. that. You were uh, number five, which is kind of ironic being that you rode number five to, to prominence. Yeah. But uh, what would you think? Um, I told Hannah, again, Hannah was three. I told him I didn't vote for him. He told me I was a dick. Um, but uh, I didn't vote for him for three. <laughs> Anyways, and right. uh, what do you think? You're five. You're, well, you okay with I that? Just, I, I wanted uh, you higher. For the record – uh, Wygant, Jason Wygant and I were like, he left so much on the table. Yeah, that, well, you know. that's the thing. You you have to, you have to vote on what you see. I, you know, I, I'm going by what I know. <clears throat> Hannah's going by what he knows. Ryan Villapoto's upset because he's not there, and he's still making his mark and all this different stuff. I mean, <clears throat> I, I said I'm a student of the game, man. When when I was when I was riding and stuff like that. 
if James Stewart was doing something, I would have figured it out. Yeah. If if Ryan Villapoto was doing something, I would have figured it out. If those guys want to get dirty on the track, I would I would I would have gotten dirtier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so so for me, I think that that in my prime I could take on anybody at any time. You know, the guys that the guy that I think is the best just rider, you know, uh-huh. as far as sheer speed and just doing phenomenal stuff is James Stewart. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's involved the sport, you know. I mean, he didn't create the scrub. I mean, hell, I was scrubbing. I was doing that stuff a long time ago, you know, ju- jumping early and crossing right. up to stay low and blah, 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 but then all of a sudden it's above a scrub. But James is one of those, one of those guys that watch videos, and he's very keen on momentum, and he, his, his line is always mm-hmm. six to eight inches wider than, uh, than, than the next guy. He, his roll speed through the middle of the corners, corners is faster and stuff like that. But you have the different guys moving up. So I, I'm honored to be, to, to make a long story short, I'm honored to be in the top ten. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest with you, I'll whip anybody's ass in the top ten. <laughs> right. You know, I don't well, care if it's Bob Hanna, <laughs> David Bailey, or, or whoever, and that's just the arrogance that we all have. None yeah. of us will say it. Right. right, and, right. and Jeremy McGrath as well. I, I would I would win after him, you know, hell. Right. I watched him, and I went and I went and got him to. I wanted him to be a teammate on on Honda. Right, right. Yeah, you, you went know, to Loretta's, so I'm a didn't fan you? of yeah. these guys, but that doesn't stop me from beating them. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought like Hannah. Uh, you know, obviously he's one of only three guys to win three in a row. But there were just more outdoor tracks then. You know, when he did it, and he's gnarly. Don't get me wrong, but really mid '80s tracks started getting hairy, and you were basically unbeatable for you know three, four, five years. Well, no. they, well, we're not, when I was doing it, and I'm not like, oh, yeah, back in my day. No, <laughs> they didn't know. You know, I mean, jumps, takeoffs, takeoffs were, had no, no face, and the landings were steep. And, right. and they would just put three jumps in a straightaway, and, you, and you'd look at it, and you go, well, if I pin it and I clear this, <laughs> yeah. I'll, make up, I'll make two to three seconds a lap. You know, so I might die if, if I case it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> there's no downside. Yeah. But I'm going to go for it. You know, that, that's <laughs> right. what I'm paid for. Yeah. Yeah, the not consistent track builders uh, from week to week, right? Not consistent distances. Like nowadays, we know the triple is 64 feet every week. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, those, it's, those guys do it the first lap, don't even look at right, it. Right, right. And the takeoff, and it gives them hang time to do better cross-ups and all that stuff. I mean, we had John Savitsky. I'm not going to take anything away yeah. from the Pollock. You know, he was – he made awesome racetracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had crazy step-up things and whoop sections that were gnarly, and the burns were great for racing, and – and so you had tracks where a guy could fall in the first turn, like I did in L.A., mm-hmm. and and come come back to the front, you know. So it it just is what it is. You right. know, the prep's better, everything's better now, and and so. Um, but I think in a lot of cases the tracks, I think the tracks were better race tracks back then because right. we didn't we didn't know being being naive. I think helped us out some. Yeah, yeah, really, right. Um, <laughs> hey, let's get in the let's get in the time machine. Let's go back a little bit. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on basically take through different years. I got a bunch of questions for different years that you you raced. Uh, Eighty two, obviously, uh, you lose the uh, two fifty national title. We all know that heartbreak. Last moto, yeah. Um, Donnie Hansen beats you. You break a wheel, and a, and one time I was lacing a wheel at Yamaha, and I turned to Oliver and was like, "Hey, Bob, can you help me lace this?" And I'm like, "Oh, never mind, Bob. I'll get this." Ooh, Alex, I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't. I'm surprised you're still alive. No, uh, he took it pretty good. We all kind of, you know, being. Uh, it, fans of moto history we took it he took it well because we would laugh about it but um 
you know, so 83, you break your hip. You're, uh, you dislocate it or you break it? Yeah, well, let me back up. Okay. 82, you know, I was on that awesome production bike all year long. <laughs> right, right. The one that and, Hannah loved so much, too. Right. Yeah, everybody did. Brock <laughs> rode my race bike. I said, that ain't, ain't any bad for your practice bike. I'm like, that's my race bike, man. <laughs> um, but the, the week before, I had a huge, I had like a 40-point lead. And mm-hmm. um, the week before in Road Atlanta, my spring broke. And so I went from, I think, second, I was second when it broke or something like that, and mm-hmm. I went all the way back to 10th or further back. So I lost a whole bunch of points there. So <clears throat> that was that was part of the problem, Yeah. obviously, what happened there. Where, but, yeah, that's the it, real, it, uh, that was the real clincher, like, where you, now you needed to ride hard in Colorado. Yeah, I was just stupid in Colorado. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have to. I, I, I had the, uh, I, you know, I was, yeah. 20, I was uh, what was I, 19? Yeah, or seventeen, <clears throat> somewhere in there, yeah, and yeah. and I had the attitude of you know I'm going to win like a champion. Well, I lost like an idiot, so <laughs> right, it right. happens. But uh, in '83, I came out and I just I, I was in a bad place emotionally and everything else because um, I just was so arrogant. I thought you know '82 mm-hmm. I was pretty humble and and I was grateful and stuff like that. Right. In '83 it was just a matter of I have arrived. I'm here. I was I was a prick on the track. I was running into people. I just crash them instead of you know, you mm-hmm. know going by. So I ended up breaking my collarbone in uh, in Anaheim, and then I came back and raced Daytona, and then was leading the, the 250 <clears throat> outdoor. Mm-hmm. And then we we're in St. Louis, and I crashed and broke and dislocated my hip. And that was that was a very humbling experience. There's I, I've still to this day never experienced pain like that you know my wrist and all the other stuff is yeah minor really huh when, when yeah. it comes to just sheer pain i mean <clears throat> it hurts really 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 bad like the point of just shoot me pain. <laughs> uh mc talked about it too when he did it i don't know if he did the same thing as you or not at ktm days but he says the same thing it was unbearable yeah like, you're, waiting, you're, you're waiting for the ambulance it's just you're, you're just in so much pain yeah, you're, you're you're begging them to knock you out, and they're like, "Oh, but you might, you know, die from whatever." You're like, "I don't care. It's a, it's it's a it's a pretty good option right now, and you can't escape the pain. You know, like if yeah. you break your arm or your leg or or whatever, you just if you hold it still, the major pain goes away. It just aches, you mm-hmm. know. But when you dislocate your hip, you can't get comfortable. Yeah, at all. Um, two two motocross titles I feel are are hugely underrated and one of them is uh, brock's 85 uh 500 national title against david on a yz490 oh, yeah. yeah. and the, the other one is your 84 title but against ron in the uh, 250 nationals but what i wanted to back up to was so yamaha comes to you and says we're gonna ride production bikes yeah uh are you pissed did you know about it what'd you think about it? i mean at that time the works hondas i mean they're unbelievable Right. I mean, I, I remember in 83 that the work Yamaha wasn't that good. You know, I, I, just, <laughs> right, okay. I just, I didn't like it at all. I mean, Hannah kicked my ass so bad at Saddleback and I was doing that giant step up jump and, you know, that's like, that was worth like two and a half seconds and he was still like four seconds a lap faster than yeah, me. Yeah. Just, and I remember chasing him and just watched him just right away from me. Mm-hmm. It was so intimidating. Um, so then we get the call, and so Brock, I remember Brock and I went up there and went into Kenny Clark's office, and he said, okay, guys, we have a situation. Uh-huh. And we're like, okay, what's that? He says, well, we can either buy you out of your contract. And I'm thinking, yes, they're going to pay me out. They're going <laughs> to buy me out of my contract, and then I can go ride for Honda. 
you know, and so Brock, I think, had the same thing in mind. Like, yeah, we're out of here. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they said, or oh, we can go to production bikes. And, and it's like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I just got one year on a, on a crappy works bike. Yeah. And now you're taking that away from me? Right. And so, so then I'm like, but nobody else is? I'm like, yeah, we're going to start something new. We're going to push this. We're going to push that. I'm like, no, you're doing it because you're out of money. <laughs> right, you know, right, let's tell the right, truth. Right. And, and so, <clears throat> but the thing was, is what, those things were so production. I mean, I had an Olin shock, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> Bud, uh, uh, shoot, they did the pipes. Um, oh, Bill's pipes? Uh, no, Bud. Uh, uh, yeah, I know who you mean. Uh, anyways, so he, he made that spacer plate, so it gave us more volume. We put a longer rod in it. And then we had Simon's anti-cav kits in the forks. Right. I mean, I tested the the Olin's upside down <clears throat> forks, and they mm-hmm. were unbelievable. But they would let me use them. Oh, yeah. you know, and they yeah. had all the stuff. And so those things were as, as production as as you can get. I mean, I had a bitch and pipe, and the and uh, and that was it. Wow. And you're lining up against uh, Lyles on the works, Cowie, uh, Hannah when he was healthy, uh, Dogger. Um, yeah. Barnett was in the class then, although his Suzuki wasn't talking to him. Yeah, his Suzuki wasn't exactly awesome either. But uh, and that title, you won the title. Yeah. And uh, again, like I said, like with with Glover's title, people don't uh, maybe give you enough credit because that bike, that Ronnie's bike, was pretty awesome. Did you? And I know you guys were friends and then enemies. And at that time, were you friends or was it was it pretty bad between you two? No, it was bad between us. Okay. You know, that was just that was just stupid local boy stuff. You know, he and I were running around as young kids, and right. you know, and he he got suckered into my girlfriend telling and asking him what happened on the road, and he told her, and I found out, and yeah. I wanted to kill him. You know, mm-hmm. not kill him, but yeah. beat him up. And yeah. um, and then from there, in Ron and Ronnie took big chops at you. I mean, he he'd take your legs right out from underneath you, and so. So I didn't dig that too much. Right, right. So we would bang on each other quite a bit. You know, I think if anyone could ever find uh, that 1984, <clears throat> I think Tangerine Bowl or whatever in Orlando, mm-hmm. is pretty gnarly. He and I <laughs> and David Bailey sat back and said, they're both going to die. I'm just going to sit back and they're going to crash. <laughs> and I'm going to win, right? And we didn't take each other out. We ended up, I think I won and Ronnie got second and uh-huh. David got third and he was on the podium. And he just goes, that was you guys are crazy. I thought you were going to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was getting to the point of, like, did you ever get to ride a works Honda? You know what I mean? Back then. Yeah. Well, oh, they, you did? Well, okay. well, twice they did, and, and I kicked myself in the ass because I tested it in 82. Okay. But I was wanted to stay loyal and stay on Yamaha, and I think they gave me, like, an extra 10 bucks or something like that. <laughs> right. And then um, when – I was scheduled to go up and sign with Yamaha, and Roger DeCoster called me like it was on a Tuesday or something like right. that. And uh, and I, you know, I was still pretty fast on my practice bikes, even though they weren't in great shape. But they were still pretty fast, and so I went and um, Roger goes, "Hey, would you be interested in signing for us?" I'm like, "Well, right. What if something happens? Got to happen today, but I want to try the bikes. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see what they're like." And so they brought me Ronnie's works bike. They adjusted it for my weight and size. I moved the handlebars like. A half an inch. What year was this? Sorry. What, what was This it? was at the end of 85. End of 85. Okay. All right. So they baited me. <laughs> Let me try a work bike. Right. And they took it away from me. So, right, right. So I, rode, so I rode that thing, and I went out, and I set my base lap, set my lap times mm-hmm. um, on my deal. And I literally, and I'm not joking, I got on that, that Honda, and within two laps, I was five seconds a lap faster than my, than my bike trying. Right. 
Right. And I'm like, I'd come off of the jumps, and I'd wait for the big hard hit, and it's just like it'd absorb it. Mm-hmm. And I literally got off it, and I said, where do I sign? You know, <laughs> right, right. You know, we're like, okay, what about this and that? And I signed up for not a lot of money and um, and bonuses, mm-hmm. and and it worked out well. Um, eighty five. Uh, did you your last year at Yamaha? You're defending national champion. Supercross is that funky two twelve lappers. Yep. Um, eighty five though, you did sign with Fox, and I did one of these podcasts with Pete, Pete Fox. He tells an amazing story. You were his favorite rider. He thought you were rad. So he went down to, to El Cajon, San Diego. And yeah, he was 15. Six, yeah, 15. And you said, hey, can you drive my car back? And he was like, I don't have a license. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, how old are you? Oh, awesome yeah. story. Yeah. And it was pretty cool because I saw them over, I think it was in Finland, because Sinosalo was making their gear or something mm-hmm. like that. Or I was I was using Sinosalo gear and then in 84. And then switched and and Pete like drew these things up. I right. mean, like, like with colored pencils and did this whole <laughs> because we were going from we were going from yellow to white, yellow yeah. to white, and so he made these whole things up and and uh, we had we had a great relationship for a long time. Yeah, he he said he was pumped, you know, and you did as much for the brand as as they did for you, you know. Um, well, no, I think I think I won on that one. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I did more for them than they did for me. Um, 80, <laughs> 85, so 85 is a so-so year for you. And then, uh, yeah, so 86, you think you're going to be on a, on a factory Honda, but it turns out everyone goes to production. Well, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. That, that, that was in the works. Yeah. Um, but my, my main reason for riding that works Honda was just to, if they could make a bike work that good, then I then I had a then I had a benchmark to go after. Mm-hmm. You know, I could say, well, this one did this or this one did that, and and I knew that the that it wasn't things wouldn't happen as quick as if you're changing a works bike around. Mm-hmm. But having that just showed how deep how deep their their technical side was yeah. and, and their engineering, and so I was really impressed with that. Uh, Roy Turner told me he had a deal for you that was that was I think he said it was more than what Honda was offering you. He's full of shit. <laughs> um, I'll tell you exactly how it went down. All right. <clears throat> he had he had me. I was I went and tested the bikes. Mm-hmm. I have video footage of it. <laughs> I can't believe he says this. Uh, well, I need to check the records. It was about six months ago. <laughs> but it was his biggest regret as a manager not being able to sign you. And because he hired Ronnie Lachine instead. Here's so here's how it went down. <clears throat> okay. So I went. and I tested. Um, you know, they thought Wardy and I'd be a good fit. Right. I was like stoked. I like Wardy and all the different stuff. I went and tested their bikes, and I and I said, okay, let's do it. So after after the the, the last round or something like that, mm-hmm. um, I called I called Kawasaki and I said, okay, let's do it. And Roy said, well, you know, I, w- w- they're they're looking at Ronnie. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> the same guy that just got, just got thrown arrested? out of Japan right. for bringing weed and and that. And like, yep, he's younger than you. I'm like, I'm 21. I'm not old, you know. Right. And you want him because he's 19. I don't right. get that. Right. And uh, he's like, well, yeah. Uh, so, well, I got to see what they want to do. And I'm like, damn, you know. So I was like, kind of, oh well, I guess I'm going to sign with Yamaha, you know. Yeah. And so I got the news, and so he, Roy called me, and I can picture this like it was yesterday. He he says this didn't happen this way. Is that he called me and. I said, hello, and he was, hey, hey, Rick, it's Roy. And I said, you don't need to tell me. I already heard. You know, you signed Ronnie. And I said, I think it's the biggest mistake you ever made. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to crush him. And he's like, well, you didn't say that. I'm like, okay, 
Right. If, if that's, but anyways, the, the thing was, is he he had me. They, I mean, they had me. I was ready to sign for okay. him and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I figured, you know, that <clears throat> that Honda was full. They had O'Mara. They had all these different guys and Bailey, and that they didn't they didn't need me. And so Roger, Roger and Dave Arnold stepped out of the box and said, well, you know, Johnny and David were just so. I mean, there was two peas in a pod, man. Yeah. You know, and they were they're both uh, they're both awesome. But they, their their theory is to bring me in to mix it up. If that was their theory, they were right because mm-hmm. you know uh, you know I'm I'm a little competitive in that way, and I I want to be the best that I can be all the time. Um. So you were going to Ronnie was fired from Honda, and you were talking to Cowie, but you, so you're never going to be Ronnie's teammate either at Honda or at Cowie. It was never going to be right, that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. I have to go back and listen to Roy's podcast. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure I thought he said that you still went. Yeah, I don't want to throw Roy under the bus. Well, he, he <laughs> if he he had we had a deal, right. and then he said that somebody at uh, someone above him right. wanted Ronnie. Yeah. So um, so okay. So at, at this point, you have a national title under your belt. You have some Supercross wins, but you're not you know the Rick Johnson that we saw. How much of your, in 86, of course, you and Bailey, the whole year, you win the Supercross title, you win the 250 national title, <clears throat> barely missed the 500 title, and I can still picture your quote in MXA about Bailey having a national in his outdoor, in his backyard track, um, <clears throat> in the 500s, but uh, how much of your emergence was Honda, and how much was you? Um, I would say it was... I mean, did you work harder than ever? That off season, but see, I was never, I was never the guy that fell apart on the last couple of laps. I was, I was, I, mm-hmm. I trained hard in '84 and '85. I just, I mean, I had all these stupid things happen to me, mm-hmm. and the bikes were junk, man. Right. I, I mean, I love Yamaha, great people. Mm-hmm. I loved working for them, but that bike was the biggest pile of crap. And <clears throat> I just, I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. the, the forks would stick. I mean, I had all these, I, I had to mask everything, and so I just had to make it very hard and unrideable to go fast right. and it just didn't work. But, um, so I would say, I would say it was a combination of Honda, um, <coughs> Brian Lunnis, mm-hmm. um, my, and myself and, and I, and I worked harder. And yep. so it was a, it was a combination of everything, but having a bike that I could work with guys and then, you know, working with the guys at Showa and having Jim Anderson come on board there mm-hmm. and working with him and and go out and testing and really make some strides and then, you know, being able, which was sort of not, did, never happened then, but I wanted Mitch Payton to build me a pipe that, right. was, more, that was more rideable, you know, that was yep. because the works power had massive power, but it just hit kind of hard and in the Supercross tracks, especially on the West Coast, I needed I needed the roll on power. I needed to lower the power band, smooth it out, get all the holes out of it. And so Mitch would come down with a gas welder and a couple pipes and hacksaws mm-hmm. and would weld this <clears throat> middle to this end and do all the different right. stuff and <clears throat> and we made very very I think I think awesome bikes for for Johnny and David and I. Yeah, Mitch still, you know, a uh, good friend of mine. Well, I don't know if he's a good friend. He's a good friend of mine, let's say it that way. Uh Mitch tells me to this day that you really put him on the map. You made him from some, I think he said, I was just a husky kook in a wheelchair 
until RJ started running my pipe. <laughs> yeah, well, he was. He was that Husky guy because I think it was Anaheim Husky or something like yeah, that was yeah. the shop. And then he had his deal. And so I went over there and we made um, we made the bike that I rode at the Rodeo Cup. Mm-hmm. And so I went, I went and seen him. Because I'd always see him, but he was always hanging out with the cool guys, with the Jeff Jennings and, <laughs> and the Jody Weisels. And they, you know, they, had, they were on the lower, lower part, and I was you know, kind of the El Cajon guys. Right. Up in the top, so I never associated with them and didn't know them, and it was honestly was kind of intimidated by all these guys, and so I would just do my thing and and and, and do it. But then Mitch and I started working together, and mm-hmm. it was, I mean, we we hit hit it off immediately, and and that's the thing. That's the one thing about Mitch is that, you know, he he told me he says I can't afford like I have this Nagel. He bought me a Nagel print, all right, <laughs> what, because they were cool. What is that? I don't even know what that is. It's the black and white. It was really big for like in Playboy and stuff. And I was an artist in the eighties. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And it was like very, very white with some some lines. He always did chicks with really pointy noses okay. and stuff like that. All right. Anyhow, so he gets me this nagel print on the back. It says <laughs> it says to Rick. I said should say thank you, but I won't. And then it says congratulations. And so I mean, it was probably it's probably you know couple hundred dollar print or yeah, whatever yeah, so it was yeah. big and so I, I still have it i mean it's, <laughs> Do you really? oh, wow. it's so far out of date you know it's <laughs> terrible if people think i'm stuck in the 80s it's like full-on miami vice right, right. but still it, it's what it means so yeah <clears throat> yeah he it, uh he said that man once you started once he started he couldn't keep the honda stuff in stock like as soon as people saw that rick johnson was running his pipe you know well, um, then it opened up because next then Brock was there with Yamaha, then right, right. Wardy was there with Kawasaki and, and all this different stuff. And so people, once they, once they saw that, that I had faith in him and then mm-hmm. David had faith in him, then Johnny did. Johnny liked more of the harder hit and stuff, so he wasn't as much into it as I was. Yeah. Um, and so from there, and Mitch always told me, and I'll have to say, the man's up to his word. He goes, <clears throat> I can't pay you. <clears throat> what you're, what you know, what you're worth, and right. all that. He goes, but I'll take care of you and, and your family till you die. And so, till still this day, if I have suspension yep. or a bike to be fixed or anything like that, because I grenaded my tranny um, at the day in the dirt, uh-huh. you know, and He's I there. bought, I bought, yeah, I bought one of Purcell's practice bikes from him, and so he got from Reed Nordine at Kawasaki, and they hooked me up with, you know, and he, and he rebuilt everything for me. So, oh, nice. Um, he's, a, he's a man of his word. Uh, how how bad or did it get bad between you, David, and Johnny in '86? Uh, like you said, those two training buddies, uh, best friends. You coming on the team? You and Bailey, man. There's not much to to, to separate you two guys. Uh, but was it civil or did it get to a point where um, either words were exchanged or it was harsh around the tent or no? No, it, it never got like that. I mean, we would probably you know cursing each other on the track and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And and that and it was I know that that I ruffled some feathers between Johnny and, and David and uh um the hard one of the hardest hardest races and I was like kind of by myself was the motocross the nations in eighty mm-hmm. six. Yep. Because they had told Johnny and David that Johnny was gone. And so right. you watching that one first one twenty five two fifty race Johnny's just riding his ass off, and he's right behind me. Right, right. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, I'm not going to let you 
beat me, but you know, could you just let me ride to right, right. save some energy we're, for the next moto? We're one two, man. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we were miles ahead of everybody, but he's right. just like, rah, 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 and I see him. I mean, I, I I've seen that Osho when he tucks his shoulders forward and his head comes down, and I mean, he's a man on a mission. And, yeah. But those guys. You know, I I broke up the happy family, and right, right. I, it wasn't my intention. You know, but when you get one, two, and three, mm-hmm. who's going to go? Yep. You know, and so so they so they split them up. But David and I were always pretty good. You okay. know, um, Johnny and I I don't know if because we're it's not that we weren't ever friends, but we just we never really clicked. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he was always had David that, and I'll never forget. I went up to test with those guys, and and they took me on a bicycle ride almost killed me i mean <laughs> i i tried to keep up with them and i just was right. anaerobic the whole time and about died and i just said i got to get out of here i got to do my own thing right you know I, I know these guys train this way and they're in great shape but this is not what i do you know and so right. um because they were into triathlons and you know right. all this crazy stuff <clears throat> and i just said like i wouldn't do my own thing but as far as the racing and everything you know, David and I, you know, rode hard against each other, but we didn't try to take each other out. Mm-hmm. Never did. Never did. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we hit on each other, you know. Yeah, yeah. But 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 bumping somebody and taking the line away is different than cleaning them out. And Ronnie had, and Ronnie had a terrible year in '86. You should have went up to Turner a few times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. But I have to I have to give it to Turner though. Here's here's one thing I'll give it to Turner. Right. I won the I wrapped up the championship in Phoenix mm-hmm. and one of the first people, you know, hug my mechanic, hug Dave yeah. Arnold. Turner comes up, sticks his hand out and he goes, You told me so, congratulations. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, you know, yeah, so yeah. so I got I you know, I've right. I always had a I, I I dug Roy Turner and I wanted to ride for him. So me saying anything to him was just because yeah. I was heartbroken, I was bummed, you know. I'm like, Okay, how dare you pick another person? Yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> In eighty, how long was your Honda contract for in eighty six? For it was, it was three years. Oh, three years. Okay, so they yeah. had some faith in you. Yeah, um, eighty seven. Uh, you're you get knocked out at round one. Yep. You come back. You, I think you're either in the lead or you're very close, and you break some fingers at Pontiac. Yep. Correct. Uh, super frustrating, I guess that year. All right. I mean, you were you were. Uh, I know Wardy listens to these. He's probably gonna get pissed, but you were the fastest guy. Just. Yeah, I yeah. was the fastest guy, but just a little inconsistent, trying a little too hard, mm-hmm. um, and, and things like that. Uh, so <clears throat> when I, I broke my fingers, then I—that's the picture that the I think the hundred percent picture that has me sitting there with my hand yeah. in, the, in the thing. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's my wrist, you know, mm-hmm. but that was what I had. Is Dean Miller gave me this shocking machine, yep. and you'd stick the two electrodes in, a, in the bucket of, of ice water, and it would it would you know, the let stem stem my hand. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I he had me going up to see this Dr. Martin and do all this therapy to help get the thing together. So they told me when I raced in Tampa right after that that <clears throat> it's gonna hurt really, 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 really bad, mm-hmm. but you're not injuring yourself. Yeah. Just so deal with the pain. So, so if if you're if you're not a push you'll be okay. <laughs> let me tell you that thing hurt really bad. <laughs> and so they would give me like half a whatever, I don't know what yeah. the pain, pain pill was because I didn't want to get loopy, but I just needed something to deaden the pain and so I could start the race, go through it. By the end of the race, you know, I was in tears. Yeah. So we came close, came close to the championship and... What would you break? Two fingers? Three fingers? What, what was it? One finger? I, I mean, broke, I broke, I, I dislocated three and I, oh, okay. bro- and I broke one. Damn. And I also dislocated that middle knuckle. It's like my ring finger. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I came down in, I hit neutral and went over the bars and hung on too long and it, and it plopped them around. 
um, at Pontiac, and then we, 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 the ones that were dislocated and crooked, we straightened them out. Mm-hmm. And then I went and tried to ride, and it just, I couldn't hold on to the handlebar, so yeah. that's when I pulled out. And that was a two-day event, so I lost, I lost a ton of points. Um, but then, but then we were able to come back in the 250 outdoor yeah. and 500 wins. So. Yeah, super weird. Like uh, 86, you win the Supercross and the Motocross 250s. Barely, barely lose the 500s. Uh, 87, you lose the Supercross, but you sweep the outdoors. Yeah. 88, you win the Supercross, but you lose the outdoors when your radiator hose pops off at a round. And but you win the 500s. Like you were so close to sweeping them, and we would have been talking. We wouldn't have been talking about JMB the way yeah. we do. Uh, for but for a handful of incidents in three in eighty six eighty seven and eighty eight for you, yeah that the one that in it, it was an accident it was a second moto I was leading Morty and all of a sudden my bike starts to ping and I'm like what the hell uh-huh. you know and then I could smell the the antifreeze and it was well, what it was we were really disappointed in Honda on this one because we had this happen to us at Daytona. The thing came loose because that was just a, a glued and pressed in the elbow and the back of the yeah. water jacket. Oh, so it wasn't Lunas's fault. It, wasn't. <clears throat> it was not Lunas's right. fault. It was, it was, this was a factory Honda fault. Mm-hmm. We, we had some seepage, you know, a little bit of water weeping around. It happened at, at, um, at Daytona. And we told them, you got to do something about this. And it's like, well, it hasn't happened to anybody else. I thought, well, it happened to us again. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Brian's fault at all. And it wasn't a radiator. It was the, it was the elbow out of the back of the cylinder. Yeah. And that was it. Bye-bye chance. It was six rounds. So hard yeah, to make up 25 points. Yeah. And then I, I screwed up. I think I got a, I fell at Southwick or some a race like that. I can't remember what it was. So I, I could have even, if I would have, had my shit together, and if I would have won all every other race, mm-hmm. I think I still would have won the championship. Oh, okay, yeah. But I, you know, right. that I mean that that's a, a twenty five point twenty five giving twenty five points away is yeah. a very 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 hard thing to come back on. And this is again like where our record books are skew because, and I just did this thing uh, last year um, for the outdoor titles and wins and all this. You guys only had six races. You know, yeah. you, you 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 had twelve, but. On all-time 250 and 500 win list, you know, you're not very high or as high as you should be because right. you had six races. So people need to remember this kind of stuff. They, they kind of forget over time that you guys had, you know, basically one DNF puts you out. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, how bad – okay, talking about the, the Bailey thing, what about Wardy? Uh, I know as a kid growing up, I'm 38. Uh, as a kid growing up, you were either an RJ fan or a Wardy fan. You couldn't be both. Not possible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not possible. Um, how bad did it get with you and Wardy in 87, 88? I mean, you guys were one, two, almost every race. Right. And, and the same thing. I mean, I always had a lot of respect for Ward. You know, here's what I loved about Jeff Ward and also David Bailey and, and Brock Lover and, and Hannah and, and guys like that mm-hmm. is that because you beat them once doesn't mean you're going to beat them again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of society and stuff, is that's what happens. You see fighters, they have this, you know, whatever, 10-fight win streak. They get knocked on their ass, and then their career's done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so what? You know, dude, there's so many people beat me once or beat me yeah. twice or whatever. But that's just going to motivate me to, to go be better. Where where did they beat me? Was I was my suspension wrong? Did I pick the wrong tire? Did mm-hmm. I get tired? Were my starts bad? Were my corners bad? Were my jumps off? I'm going to go fix it, and I'm going to come back at, because, in my mind, I have to be I'm, – I'm better than anybody. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just have to find out where I screwed up. And that's the same thing with Jeff Ward and those guys. So to answer your question on Wardy, <clears throat> it was never bad. I mean, I, I I took him out the one time at Pontiac because I kept falling down and coming back, falling down and yeah, coming back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then... And then we went through the whoops, and he buzzed my my arm with his tire, and I'm just like, how you know, if you think that you're gonna <laughs> do that to me, and then pass me on the outside, yeah. So I'm like, screw it. So I just elbowed, it, shouldered him, and knocked him down. But really, that's the only time I ever took him out. That's where he went to the cameraman, right? <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. He went yeah. To the cameraman there. Yeah. But <laughs> but other than that, we all raced pretty good, you uh-huh. know, and we had some awesome races, you know, and, and that. So it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It was probably the worst, you know, as far as screaming at people and yelling and mm-hmm. wanting to fight and stuff was Ronnie. Yeah. Because Ronnie was dirty on the track. You know, Ronnie would go fast, you know, and then he would get tired, and then he would take a shot at you to take you out. And <clears throat> so that was why, you know, I had the punching incident. In, yeah, Golden State. Um, but, as, but as far as Wardy, it was just I knew he would be there. And people got to understand, you know, it's like if you know you're going to go to bed and every night your nightmare is going to be there, that's what I had. And so every time I would go to bed or wake up or stretch or run or go to the gym or, you know, everything I did, I was like there was this little son of a bitch on a green bike just chasing me around. And, right. And, it's that time again. Thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast show brought to you by BTOsports.com. Presented by Thor MX. I appreciate it. Don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on pulpamex.com to help out pulpamex.com. We appreciate it. Listen to these commercials. Buy from these sponsors. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side. X podcast show is brought to you by btosports.com whether you are looking for new gear helmets boots or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up bto is your source for all of your motocross needs as a proud sponsor of the bto sports ktm race team and the heart of the bto sports amateur motocross team it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store we support the sport that supports us, us. we at bto sports want to give back to you the listener for supporting us and the racer x podcast show use coupon code Pulp MX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. For 2013, JT Racing enters its next generation with the all-new Evolve Light, ProTech, Enduro, and Limited Edition collections, taking quality and innovation to a whole new level. Also available in youth sizes, each collection is built with high-grade materials offering its own unique characteristics to meet the demands of today's riders, both recreationally and competitively. To find a dealer or view the entire collection online, log on to JTRacingUSA.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make that claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson, to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. And one of the coolest things is 
we and Wardy and I both we laugh about it all the time. Right. There's a, there was a track right by Carlsbad called a flower track because it was okay. these flower fields. <clears throat> so I roll in there. You know, you're never supposed to go riding by yourself. Right. But anyway, so I, I come from Alcohol, and he comes from Mission Vieja. We right. meet down by Carlsbad. I think I know I, this story. I think, but go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. this I, is awesome. <laughs> I don't know he's coming. He right. doesn't know I'm coming. Right. I, I roll up. I roll past him, and I and I don't park next to him. Right. We're in the we're in the middle of our 500 championship yeah. battle. Yeah. Right. And um, give him a nod. He gives me a nod, <laughs> and so I see him getting dressed. And so he gets on. I'm getting dressed as fast as I can. He goes out. And he gets about two laps before I get on the track. Then mm-hmm. I get on the track, and and we're right as I would go up this hill, he would come down this hill, and we we pass each other. And you know we're running the same line. I could see when he'd break loose a little bit. I'm like, oh, I got you now. And you just <laughs> had to be so smooth on the throttle. Right. I'm not joking. He ran out of gas. Yeah. yeah. He ran out of gas. Pushed his bike to the thing. Put it in the thing. And I kept going because he had a stopwatch out. Right. So I'm like, I'm not going to show him that I'm giving up. Yeah. So, I mean, this was, this was like a 50-minute moto. Yeah, like a Wednesday afternoon or something. Exactly. On a Wednesday afternoon, nobody saw it, and right. we had one of the most epic battles, but we just weren't, you know, yeah. we weren't on top of each other. We had a track, we had, you know, had a half a track separating us, but right. that's the kind of guy he was. He, you know, you think, huh, I, be, I, I beat him, he'll, he'll give up. Never. Yeah. He never gave up. Yeah. Yeah, I heard the same story from Morty where – he, he ran out of gas. I am not pulling off. I am not going to show this guy. Yeah, no. weakness. Oh. Either guy. Oh, that's that's classic. Um, <laughs> I love that kind of story for sure. Uh, this nation's eighty-seven Unadilla. Uh, muddy is all hell. Um, uh, Hannah gets picked for one. Tw- Mickey Diamond. Let's face it, gets effed, and uh, Hannah goes. Um, pressure though, right? Uh, major pressure, especially in the mud. And the Euros were good in the mud. Yeah. Well, let me back up. So, okay. so Hannah, you know, I hear Hannah tell his stories, you know, that he, he's pissed he didn't get picked. Well, you know, the dude wasn't in the same zip code as Wardy and I on a 500. Yeah. Suzuki didn't have a 500, so he's not going to get picked for the 500. On a 250, <clears throat> you know, he had a couple good races, but he wasn't as fast as, fast as Wardy or I. Right. So, so put him on, and he's the littlest guy, so put him on, on a Suzuki. And Suzuki had a works bike and all this stuff. Right. So, with that being said, you know, he starts popping off that Wardy and I are kissing each other's ass and that we're liars <laughs> and all this different stuff. And, you know, and to me, I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Um, well, this, is, this, is, this is not about you. This is not about me. This is about our country, and this is about our sport that we love. And, and damn it, this is the first time it's been here on our home surface, and I think it's the 10th in a row if we win. Right. You know, this is bigger than, than that. And so... Wardy and I started practicing together right off the bat. We stayed down by Bevo Forte and John Savitsky's house right. down in Pennsylvania. We started riding together, and Hannah wouldn't go riding with us. He'd always go somewhere else, you know. <laughs> and then we pull up to Pitt, and Wardy and I are parked side by side. And he's got to freaking pull his box fan down like 30 feet or something. And it was just, you know, Wardy and I had to walk the track together. He wouldn't walk the track. I'm like... <laughs> What is your what is your problem, man? He he had to get his hate up, I guess, right? I, I don't know. I guess you know, I, good good form because and right. here's the thing: is like the first moto, because first moto was one twenty five five hundred, uh-huh. and so I'll never forget. I go up on top of the trailer with Dennis Metzger, and I'm watching, and it's so muddy because we're, right. we're we're all fast, and it was great on Saturday. It was tacky, it was beautiful, yeah. it was classic Unadilla, and then the friggin' sky opened up, mm-hmm. and. So <clears throat> I see Wardy come around the first turn, and I see him get hit, and he's wearing an open face with a mat, with an Oakley mask. Right. 
He gets hit so hard in the face by the mud, it blows his goggles off <laughs> right. around the first turn. And right. the poor guy can't see shit. I mean, he can't see anything. He's way back. I mean, he's yeah. like back at tenth or eleventh or twelfth or something, and he's fight trying to fight his way back. And I think he, I think he gets sixth or something, or I, I don't know what it was. Right. You have to look at the thing. But he's way back. Mm-hmm. And so we have Belgium, France, England, Holland. I mean, in Germany, like every damn country yeah. that has a strong team has beaten us. And and I and I just I looked at Metzger and I go I have to win both motos if we we have a, if we even yeah. have a chance I I have to win and to have that feeling and then here's Hannah he gets stuck the last lap he like he, or one lap he doesn't come up to screw you right and mm-hmm. he's way the hell back mm-hmm. so we I mean we had two and but both those guys fought back no goggles all different stuff then the next moto you know I get out there I get the whole shot I get out in front. Um, tipped over one time. Eric Abors got up close behind me. Uh, Bale was was pretty close every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, he was running pretty fast for France. Mm-hmm. And that, <clears throat> and but uh, I think Vandervan so, was fast too. Yeah, because uh, Sam Ryder. Yeah. Well, but uh, Keith, but that was in the 500 race. He yeah, got yeah. a whole shot. Okay. So if you watch it, I mean, I, I, how I, I I mean, I was 185 pounds on a 250, mm-hmm. and I came around the first turn like it was Wardy Vandervan. And me. And so mm-hmm. we come around the next turn, and the funny thing was, is both Wardy and I in between races were like, hey, you get out in front, you go, because they said we have to have, we have to, we have to win. Right. So I'm like, I'll, you know, I'll block and you go. And he's like, no, just go. So we come around the turn, and we're looking at each other, and I'm kind of giving him the nod, like, go. And he's like, giving me the nod, go. And I'm like, <laughs> right, right. all right, here I go. So I went after Vandervin, who's just like the most clean, he's like a trials rider. Mm-hmm. And just. And so I'm just running into him, running into him, running into him, and then I finally just take a shot through a big mud hole, pass him, and then I start slowing down and roosting him, roosting him, roosting him, you know, <laughs> stopping in the trenches to get him up behind me. And so I'm like, okay, there's one, two, there's all of his tear-offs. Boom, goggles are down, roost him in the eyes a couple times to get him <laughs> off my ass, and then I take off. <laughs> right, jeez, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. I always thought it was a couple of clutch rides because you're a SoCal guy, born and raised, you know, Carlsbad is your is your turf, you know what right. I mean, and, and it's muddy and shitty, and of course me being Canadian, I'm cheering for Team Canada, but you know, hey, uh, <laughs> I think we got ninth that year. There you go. Anyways, um, I always thought that that was a little the pressure on you was huge, and it was muddy as shit, and you weren't a mud rider, and you came through big time. But I always did good in the mud. Did you? Well, yeah. If you look, if you look over <laughs> history, like I got my first Golden State win when I was fourteen. Well, I wasn't at the Golden State when you were fourteen. Though, well, I, oh no, I know that, but I'm just I'm, I'm educating here. <laughs> it, it had a place called Lake Madeira that was really muddy and water was coming across, and mm-hmm. and so, but I and I would always anytime it rained in, in SoCal, I would go ride. Oh, okay. I, would, I mean, I would just burn it down. Right. I would just slide through the mud. I had so much fun. <laughs> I, I didn't care getting dirty. Like I didn't like getting dirty on the day of the race. Right. Sounds kind of weird, but you know, I didn't. I always go around the mud holes and stuff like that. But when it came when it came time to go to work, yeah, I, the mud was a, mud was a good challenge. If you looked at um, in '82, we had a I had a crappy practice bike, and it was muddy at at High Point. And mm-hmm. I went out and I rode the thing all day. And then the next day, I was able to win, you know, win the the two motos and the 250 outdoor because. I wasn't afraid to get dirty, and I wasn't afraid to, to slide across the big puddles or hold on tight, mm-hmm. you know, across the ruts and stuff like that. Yeah. 
So, but if there's the, there's the unknown. Are your goggles going to get messed up? Yeah. Are you going to be able to see if you fall down? So, but if you look, I was very very well prepared. Always lowered my visors to keep the the rain and the the mud out. Mm-hmm. I did I did my goggles really good with roll offs and with tear offs. And I had a bag on top of my helmet for the for after the first turn. I had rags in my pants, so if I fell down, I could grab the rag, right. ride with it, it take the mud off my glove and off my grip. So yeah. <clears throat> a lot of a lot of mud racing is pre- preparation. And with Brian Lannis and myself, we we were ready. You were ready. Um, hey, uh, do do we need to do another part, or can you keep going? I know it's an hour already. Um, it's up to you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's keep going then. I got a little bit more. Um, uh, so okay, uh, eighty-eight, uh, eighty-nine comes, and you're maybe at your best. I, uh, eighty-nine was a great year for you, but I'm I'm thinking you probably regret saying, "Hey, Jeff Stanton, come stay with me," because even Stanton says you showed him the way, you showed him the playbook, and uh, and of course we all know what happened later in eighty-nine. But oh, and we'll get to that. But uh, if you had to do it again, you probably would have told Stanton just to, to shove it. Uh, I don't think I, I wouldn't have told him to shove it because it was my it was my idea to hire him. Yeah, you know they said hey, he can't ride Supercross, and I went and stayed with Jeff, and he was kind of a fat, you know, Michigan farm boy, you yeah. know. But you know, I, I got along great with his parents, his brothers, you know, and everybody, and and I just see, saw yeah, how you, you see it. he would do anything. You know, I tell him to do it, he did. It, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And so I said, he he can do it. Those bikes he's on are terrible. You know, if he gets on our bikes and he starts doing that, would I have taken him in and, and you know, yeah. done all that? Probably not. But, you know, really, I was looking for somebody to motivate me and push me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was tired of, I mean, chasing the ghost, you're ch- chasing your own shadow all the time. Right. It gets a little old. But, honestly, that I worked better that way. You know the, the the isolation. So would mm-hmm. would I change it? Yeah. yeah. But you know what though? I I I feel pretty good about the the guys that I and I and I will stand on my guns on this that I stood up to Honda and said these are your two guys and one was Jeff Stanton and the next was Jeremy McGrath. So they didn't do too bad. <laughs> they were all right. Yeah, they you were. Okay. I mean, I think I had a decent eye for talent. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eighty nine. You you rip off five wins in a row and. Uh, unbeatable. I don't even know if anybody. I don't know if I think you might have led every lap. I don't even remember. But it was it was it was might you might have been at the best. Your peak in '89. Uh, you lose Atlanta. Uh, I was actually there as a kid. First uh, second Supercross ever. Uh, but you only because you fell over and uh, Jeff got you on the last lap. Yep. Um, Gainesville. The next week comes and I've ridden a lot of laps at Gainesville in my time. I've never heard. I've never talked to Storbeck. I've never really read about it. How does the accident happen where Danny lands on your wrist? Like, can you describe it? What happened? Where it was on the track? Well, we were running the track backwards from normal. Oh, uh, okay. You know, so uh, so if you if you've ridden a lot of laps, the uh, thing that's that's very characteristic of Gatorback was that ridge. You went across the ridge and had a fast downhill left hand sweeper by the road. Yep. Okay, and then you went down around there, did a big sweeper, then you came up and you went around the tree. Mm-hmm. And then you came down, and there was a jump at the bottom of that hill. Okay. Okay, right there was coming backwards. So you'd hit that jump, and you'd fly up the hill. Well, Stanton was behind me. Storvik was in front of me. <clears throat> and um, I came up to him. I passed him on the right-hand turn before that. I come up to it, um, and I get to the jump, and I scrub the jump 
to, to stay low and then accelerate up the hill. Well, he hits it fast. He comes off, and when I'm accelerating, like leaning forward and, and mm-hmm. accelerating, <clears throat> his front wheel hits me right in the, in, in the back of the elbow, and then it shoves my arm under the handlebar, and it puts my wrist up my arm. Yeah, like a 90, in a 90. Right. Yeah, it just blew it, blew it apart. So I tumble, I crash, I get up, I take my goggles off, and I slap Danny upside the head. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong? Oops, excuse me. Oh, I, what, um, what the hell is wrong with you, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he made some comment. He thought he was going to fight me. But, I mean, I looked down, and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. It, the tendons were jerking in weird places. And, and I knew it was weird. <clears throat> when, I, when you see yourself disformed that, that bad, mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, this is not good. This is, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But I did take a moment to be thankful that he didn't hit me in the back of the head because right. it would it probably would have killed me or, or this paralyzed is, me. This is in practice. People want to know. Yeah, practice. yeah, this is in practice. Right. So I can't I, I can't twist my throttle. I can't drive my bike back. Jeff, you know, I'm, I'm mad. I'm yeah. you know all this stuff. And Stanton goes, get on my bike, get on. I'll ride you back. And so he rode me back to the pit. You know, they looked at my wrist. Metzger um, yeah. was there. He took some Novocaine. He injected it. And we threw it in a splint. And a friend of mine, Dave Martin, uh, from Binghamton, New York, was down there, and he drove me to the hospital, um, and uh, they did the surgery that night. Um, and I've never, and I don't want to throw Storbeck under the bus, 100% his fault? Like, total no, bone hit? No, no, no? no okay. No, no. It, yeah. just, it, was, it was a recent incident. Okay, my, right. my, yeah. my, my biggest heartbreak and my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Right. I, I'm not, I didn't. I, I never said that he intentionally did it. No one would do that. I mean, right, right. You take <clears throat> so I came up to the jump really fast, and what you do to scrub a jump is you hit the brakes. You mm-hmm. know, you hit the brakes to to absorb that energy to stay down, and then you're going to make the time up going up the hill. Well, right. he doesn't know that. He's yeah, yeah. And you know, I was just pissed that one, he's racing me that hard in practice. Right. You know, it took me like, you know, like a three quarters of a lap or something to pass him. Right. And he's just charging, and I'm like, dude, what? You know, what yeah, are you yeah. doing? You know, and uh, well, you're the mark guy, though. Everyone, <clears throat> yeah. you know, you're you get the number one on. Everybody wants to, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so with that, I mean, because Danny and I were friends. I mean, we hung out together. He would come out and stay, you know, with us in California. I'd go see oh, him really? in Texas. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and we've never talked since. Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And wow. then Ali Seymour and I almost got in a fist fight because. He said something about that I, I ruined his career. I'm like, I ruined his career? No. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, right, right, really. You know, people, so, you know, like, there's like, there's like three people, I think my dad, my mom, and my sister, that hate him because, <laughs> because yeah. you know, they feel he ruined my career. But so, it, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it was a racing deal. Right, okay, I've never heard it described like that. It's always like, ah, F. Storbeck, he landed on RJ. But, yeah, it's cool to hear you say it's a racing career, it's a racing incident, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, but actually, one thing I forgot to ask you about, uh, 89, you switched to JT. Uh, just money? More money? No. What happened? Oh. Um, my great friend, Pete Fox, um, <laughs> Honda came after me. Yeah. And they said, we want to do Honda line. Everybody in the gear, right. Everybody. And I'm like, and so I had a new contract to sign. And so um, I, liked, I liked Fox, I liked everything that was going on and all the stuff. And uh, so my contract was up, but they had the first rider refusal. And right. so <clears throat> Honda said, here's, you know, they hit me with a number that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And they said, okay, but here's the deal. Yeah. It includes oils. It includes gear. It includes everything. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, still a, good, still a great number, right. you know. 
because if I look and, at a three-year deal, right? You were do, do another three years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, that was if I if I if I started if I started the first race, then I got paid for the whole season. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, <clears throat> and if it was, it was the last race I got hurt, then that was my career. And you know, it yeah. went from January to January. Right. Um. So I told Fox, I said, you know, they offered me this money. Well, how much? And so I showed them how much. You know, and they're saying, well, not that. That's not. They're they're lying because they're not paying that. At, that's from the factory. That's not from the gear. And it got into this big piston contest. And I'm like, I man, I don't want this. I just want to go race. So Honda, it wasn't a take it or leave it. Honda said um, they were they wanted you in the gear. I always read it like you had to wear. It, but oh, I did. It did. Oh, it, it, it got to that. Okay, so, got to that. Right. <laughs> and then then Fox threatened to sue me. You know. They said we're going to tie you up in court, blah blah, and this that, blah. And I told Honda, just just tell me that you'll you'll take you'll, you'll handle this, right? Okay. If they sue me, you'll you'll cover it. Well, they have none. They have no. They have no ground to stand on. Just just write a thing saying, right? If they sue Rick Johnson, <laughs> I don't want to go to court. I don't want to do anything. You'll handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll sign. I'll wear your gear, all the different stuff. Right. And. uh <clears throat> they said no, and, I, and I'm like going back and forth and back and forth. And all of a sudden, I would go down and I would park in the JT parking lot when I go right up Palm Avenue. So mm-hmm. I'd always saw uh, Rita and John Gregory. Right. We always talked about it and this and that. So I was there and I said, "Hey, what do you think about doing something with me?" You know, mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> why the first the first sets of gear were, you know, well, we're just going to throw this together, throw that together. Let's throw a bad boy patch on there. Let's right. do this. Let's do that. And um, and and so it was just kind of the last thing. And in in Fox's mind, here's here's my, here's my big bitch about Fox, is that they were so against it. They were so against this. It's going to ruin everything. And then I went one day and I was up up there a long long time afterward. And Jeff Fox, Pete's dad, said to me, every every aftermarket company should pay you money. I said, what do you mean? He goes, because you when you didn't sign that Honda line deal, you were so powerful at the time. Every rider from here on out could never have a contract because you would set a precedent that if if you did it, then everybody would have to do it. Right, right. And 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 that and the and the aftermarket business would have died. It would have went to you know Honda line and, and this and that. And so, it wasn't like a, like a year after that conversation, they, they did it. Right. They they took over everybody's. You know what I mean? Right. And I was just honestly, I was just so disappointed. I'm like, you know, you guys are a bunch of pricks. You know, you you sat there and hated everyone for doing it, then you jumped on the bandwagon and tied up Yamaha, Honda, you know, all that stuff. And um, so um, I, I just disappointed yeah. in that. And I, then, I, then I would call Pete and try to get some gear, and he, he wouldn't return my call. Wow, so. okay. So it didn't end well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just thought it was like your deal was up. They, uh, Holland and, and Stanton and all the guys that weren't named Rick Johnson had to wear Honda line, but, I mean, you're Rick Johnson, so you can do whatever you want. No, no, I could do what I want. I, it, it was ugly, and then that, and because of that, my relationship with, with Ray Blank, you know, yep. he feels that the Honda Line deal tanked because I didn't wear it. So oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was damned if I do, damned if I don't. Right, you know? right. So what I did, I tried to do the best thing, and I got hated by everybody. Oh, the JT stuff looks sweet, though. I think you did a good job rebounding. With John did a good job on that. Yeah, no, no, no. We we had some cool <laughs> stuff, and then we did the Bad Boy Club stuff right. and, and that. But um, you know, when you're riding around with a Jacked up wrist, it, yeah. you, don't, you don't look so good. Um, yeah, 
and then Stanton becomes, you know, the number one guy. And again, he's he's never denied it. Learning a lot from you, uh, riding technique and training, and you know, a lot from you. And yep. uh, and, and so you come back um, in '89 for the 500 Nationals, and you you make the podium and you know some force and stuff like that. But did you know in your heart, in your head, I'm not the same? I mean, did, did did was this already like, oh shit? Well, I, I knew I was racing with pain, and I just expected it to get better, mm-hmm. you know. But it didn't, and so then I came back, and I um, in '89 I, I crashed really hard at Millville and <clears throat> separated some ribs from my sternum and my back, and uh, knocked myself cuckoo. And and then, I mean, the, I guess the race that I'm most proud of is when I came back in '90 and I beat Stanton in both motos at, at Gainesville. Well, that's yeah, that's funny you say that because uh, my next question was as a as a fan of yours growing up. You win 1990 Gainesville Opener. You win 1990 uh National and Unadilla, I think. So it's that was like the last round. That was, that was the last race of the year. Was it? Um, so as a, as a fan, it's like RJ's back. He's back. But really, I mean, I guess you. I mean, I don't. I don't. How did you win those races with the wrist that was so jacked up? I and mean, you weren't the same guy in 1990 Supercross Series, um, running number 13. You had a couple of podiums, but. Basically, I mean, I imagine it was the only thing that could possibly be holding you back was your wrist. Right. Well, at Gainesville, I rode, I just, I gave it everything I had. I was okay. in great shape physically. I was actually training with Brock and stuff. Um, he was taking me running and doing some other stuff, and he was helping me out quite a bit. He was just, I think he was over in Europe and that. But um, it, so I had the speed, but then my hand would go numb, mm-hmm. and my hand would come off the handlebars and stuff like that. And so Stan and I, both motos, I mean, we were, he was all my ass the whole time, yeah. and he couldn't beat me. And so, but the problem was I, I, I rode so hard that my hand was killing me. I mean, yeah. all week, I think I, I think I got to ride one day before the Daytona Supercross. And so my setup was so bad because I couldn't ride. And so right. when I went out there in that heat race, went over the bars, and then I broke right. my hand. So, so I broke the bones of my hand, and then I had to sit off again. And then I came back too early at the Tampa Supercross, and it started non-union. And so I couldn't, I couldn't hold on. Yep. And so then they had to go in and surgically fuse my hand and put pins in it. And then I came back, you know, tried to come back again and yep. again. And always coming back too soon and always hurt myself. But the reason I could go, <clears throat> go fast outdoors but not Supercross is Supercross, you're perched forward. You're 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 much further forward and mm-hmm. on your front wheel a lot, and I was always strong. I feel in braking, like I could outbreak guys. My braking technique was good. Right. Well, now with my hand the way it was, and, and also crashing into big obstacles, I could usually take a harder hit than some of the other guys. Now that was gone. Right. So now I had to just rely on technique, and so a lot of times when you're passing, you have to bully your way through. Couldn't do it, but when you put me on a 500 at Unadilla with a deep, loamy track where it's pulling my hand rather than right, pushing right, into it, right. it, it wasn't as bad. Man, how frustrating was this for you? There must have been some dark moments where you were like, I mean, in an instant, you go from unbeatable to very beatable. Must oh, have yeah. been, must have been, just some dark moments, like I said, huh? Oh, it was. It. it, it I mean, my wife, who, um, who had had to live. Do that with me, right, right. you know. I mean, I had a moment like I I quit, you know. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I retired, and I was like, and so they had to go and infuse it, and so they had to chop part of my arm bone off, and this and that. So we were down in 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 Florida, and it was weird. Like I was hungry, you know, after surgery and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we went to go through Burger King to get something, and in the middle of the Burger King parking lot, 
I, I, I wig out. Really? I, I, I literally had a mental breakdown. I was <laughs> screaming and crying and, and yelling. And wow. She, she's like, what the hell is wrong with you, you know? <laughs> and and I just kept saying, it's, they, it's ain't fair. They don't deserve this, you yeah, know, yeah. because Bradshaw was, 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 was a punk and Stanton got really arrogant and, you know, all, all these things. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I worked so hard to try to be like the, the – people's champion you know i mean yeah. i wanted to give back to kids because i'd had it taken away before when i dislocated my hip so right, right. i was grateful that that i got to do this and these and it seemed like these young guys the Matasevichs and you know bradshaws and and that they were just arrogant and they were just felt like they deserved it and and i was like what you know and <laughs> so i thought that i was doing the right thing but it was just yeah. That was that was a chapter in life that I that I had to go through. But so you know, unfortunately for my wife, she had to right. she had to hear all the crap that nobody else heard when the music stopped. Yeah, uh, yeah, you had a lot of hair back then too, a lot of hair. Everyone, uh, Bale, the the foreigner that nobody liked, and like you said, Stanton, kind of like no flash, not a lot of personality with Jeff and Bradshaw. You either loved him or hate him. You know, yeah. uh, best line ever, by the way. Uh, Bradshaw told me on the podium at Osaka. You said, "Now you did it," and he said, "What do you mean?" Now everyone's going to want you to win all the time. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, it's not going it's, right. to. It's over now. Good job, kid. <laughs> he did great, though. I, I, I gave him some slack at the beginning, and I couldn't pass him at the end. So, right, right. All, all, all props to him on that one. Yeah, um, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine like for you, like I said, like you were always a uh, big with the fans and an outspoken guy and friendly with everybody. I can imagine all the press that you did compared to everybody else. I mean, everybody wanted to talk to you back then. You know, you were the personality-wise and everything. And then just like a train wreck, it comes crashing to an end. Um, yeah. How was Honda through all this? Um, uh, Heben was your mechanic in 91 and and uh, and all that. How was Honda with all the injuries and the comebacks and everything? Were they cool? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, <laughs> um, Roger, you know, Roger had to deal with, with me fighting to – to hang on, you know. I made a comment. I'll never forget. We're in in Japan or something like that, and and we're, we're sitting there, and these girls come up, and they're saying this, and they're saying that, and who's you know who's number one? And Stanton was number one, and, mm-hmm. and I made some stupid, idiotic remark like, "Yeah, who 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 makes more money?" Oh. And and it's like I said it, and I was like, eh, "That probably wasn't the coolest thing to say." Mm-hmm. And Roger had the balls to to pull me aside later and go, "You know what, Rick? You're what? Don't do this." You know, don't be bitter. Yeah, don't 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 be that guy. You don't need to say that. You don't you don't need you don't need to defend yourself, and you're making yourself look bad. And and I, I I've I've been so thankful that he had the balls to, you know, come up and and make a comment to me like that. You know, that it really helped out. Right. But the problem was is that so I went to Europe <clears throat> at the end of '90, and yeah. I and I won. I think I won the Paris Supercross. I won the Maastricht Supercross. Um, I, I got second, I think, into the Japan Supercross or something. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, I thought I was good. I thought, yeah. man, my hand's doing great, you know. Right. But those were all sandy short tracks. And then I started out. My hands start. My hands started locking on me at the beginning of '91. I landed off a, uh, off the triple in, you know, and I thought the throttle stick, but it was my hand yeah. let, let go and reattached, and I was on the back fender, and it sh- ejected me over the bars. Yeah, and- he been he been told me that story, and and yeah. he's he's yeah. You said the throttle stuck, and Ron's like, and he been was like, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, Rick, but yeah, the throttle it, was it, fun. <laughs> and so, but the part that that the bitter, I guess the bad part about my my end with Honda, the first thing was, 
is that uh, Brian Lannis gave up on me. You know, mm-hmm. he he got out of there. He went to work for Bradshaw as soon as he could. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and he he gave up on me, and that 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 hurt because right. you know he and I went through a lot together. I was stoked that I had Ron, uh, Ron Heaven. Loved Ron still to this day. Awesome human yeah. being. How would you not like Ron? Right. Yeah, and he he just he did everything he could to help me. But I just it, no matter what we did, my hand just didn't work. Yeah. So after that, San Diego, we go to Japan, and then I come back, and um, I'm I'm for some reason I missed my flight. I like I overslept, and I yeah. missed my flight to go back to Atlanta. To, to do autographs. So I called him. I said, I'm on the next flight at 1 o'clock. And I thought, well, this is good. I can. I haven't been able to practice much because my hand hurts. I'll go out and practice. So I go out in this field, and there's this track out there, and it has a couple jumps. I land off this jump, and next thing you know, my practice bike throttle sticks. Run, and now I'm yeah. going through this field at, <laughs> oh, you know, as fast as I can go. Yeah. And I, have to, and, I, and I let go of the, the throttle for a second, and it shuts off. So I was landing. My hand would... Just, my my hand would let go yeah. and re re grip, involuntarily. Jeez. Uh, and so um, I called them up and said I'm not coming. And so I went to went and saw the guy in Wyoming at uh, something bone and joint or mm-hmm. something like that. And um, he said I was done. And the next guy said I was done. And so I so I called him up at at the Atlanta Supercross and yeah. said I'm going to announce my retirement at at Daytona. Uh-huh. Well. The thing was is that Ray Blank, I, you know, he had said it to somebody. I don't know who it was, but he thought that I did the first couple races just so I could screw them out of their money because the way I have my contract written is that if I start the season, uh-huh. I get paid for the whole season, right. and they wanted to pay me. It was They were paying me good back then, so they wanted to pay me for six months. I'm like, no, my contract raised that. And so between the, the gear yeah. and – but, I mean, you're just, that, you're just asking uh, him to stick to the terms of the contract. Right. Yeah. But, then, but I, I look like I, you know. Right. Because I never, I, I never got into winning form, so they yeah, thought, yeah. well, he's just doing this to, to – and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not strapping my ass to a, to a Supercross track, you know, yeah. for just money. Right, you know right, I mean? right. But a deal's a deal. And um, yeah. That that. Yeah, big, uh, big disappointment for sure. It, it, it had to have been – had have been real tough, and I wonder why. Sometimes I like, is it just, is it just, um, I don't know how to say it. Is it your choice or, or Honda's choice that you haven't been more embraced by Honda? Um, uh, do you know what I mean? It's, it's Honda's choice. You know, they. What's funny is that so I wanted to do some stuff with them, and they're just like they cut the ties. Like I said, I, I think between the, the they're pissed yeah. off between those. You know, I was their highest paid rider at the time. Right. You know. Um, and and all that, and so they just they they kind of nixed me. But then they came back and they embraced uh, embraced Stanton. You know, they're paying Stanton for years and years right, and years right. to come hang out and you know. Well, that's what I kind of mean. Like like I feel like I feel like you should be. But then again, you went maybe you went to the NASCAR thing right when you hung up when you retired. But like I feel like you should be around the races more than what you are. Maybe that's by choice. I mean, you did do the Suzuki coaching thing. A well, that bit. was that's the thing though. So. You know, I did, um, you know, I, Ray always told me, you know, just tell me if you're going to do something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I did. And I'm like, do you want to do something? No. So I went and did a deal with Yamaha where the, you buy Yamaha, you got a free school. That's right. Yeah. and I did it. Right. Great, great program. Yamaha was good to me. You know, it ran its time. It went out. You know, I'm still looking for something to do, mm-hmm. want to be a part of it. 
And then um, then Suzuki picked me up, you know. And and part of it, I have to I have to take some of the blame because Hana was helping me out with some bikes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and some support to do my schools. But they were supporting Bailey and all this other stuff. And so what they did was um, I, I got I started doing more cars and trucks and right. stuff like that. So my schools sort of went to the back burner. So they're like, well, man, we we do this deal with you, then you don't do it. I'm like, well, it's not like you're paying me, yeah, you know, a yeah. salary or anything, you know, a couple of bikes here and there, and not in that. So, <clears throat> over the past, since then, and then I think when Suzuki had, did that commercial with my family, mm-hmm. and that, I think that pissed off the Honda upper management to the point where right. they're like, wait a minute, we did a poster with you, you know, and your yeah, kids yeah. and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, and then and now you're doing a, you know, yeah. but I'm like, yeah, because. But but if no if you're not going to use me, don't be pissed at me because somebody else does. Yeah yeah. Because I I was bummed. Uh, I got to admit I wrote it and I talked about it. I was bummed at Anaheim Retro Race. You come out on a KTM. I'm like oh no RJ. But you know again there was something there right. There was a little. Well yeah well I was I was doing the same thing. Honda wouldn't do anything. For yeah me. I know. You know they, they, it's and that's the thing. It's like. And, and here, here we are now. We're in the perfect scenario. I'm training these guys. I'm doing all this different stuff, uh, you know, making connections for people and everything. Mm-hmm. And Honda won't won't even give me a bike to to ride. Yeah, for yeah. My, for my own personal being, I right. buy a buy I buy a Kawasaki from Pro Circuit to ride a day in the dirt. And so now I'm doing a deal with KTM and yeah, through but... Malcolm Smith Motorsports right. to give bikes because the people that I'm training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or buying bikes, you know. Right, <laughs> so right, it's right, like, right, right. I'm, I'm not just, I'm not just going to, you know, out to wherever to Paula and riding around and, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm selling bikes for, well, I'm yeah, sell I mean, bikes for somebody. You're Rick and, Johnson, yeah, I know for sure. Well, and, well, and the government is buying bikes in the, in the Dutch, you know, yeah, 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 special forces and the English and you know Australians and right, all the right. people, they're going to buy motorcycles to use and, and now they're going to. By KTMs. Right, right. Yeah, uh, a good point. Um, a few few other wrap-up questions here. Yep. Uh, I did one of these with Keith Bowen. He said David Bailey's injury really affected him. Um, and, and where were you, and did it affect you? Where were you when you found out, and uh, and did it affect you? Did you make you think a little bit? Uh, I was in, I was in uh, Sun Valley, uh, Utah, uh, Idaho. Idaho, yeah. I was I was in uh, Rich Taylor's dad, Hook Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm was, good friends. I'm good friends with Rich. Uh, I was in Hook's living room, and my girlfriend at the time called me screaming and crying. I didn't understand what she was saying, mm-hmm. and she told because I I had just had that was that was the week after that I punched Lachine in the face. Yep. <laughs> and so I had I went and had my ankle operated on. I had to have my ankle scoped to get some spurs and stuff out of it. Yeah. So I was you know I could walk on it, but I couldn't ride on it and stuff like that. And then they told me, you know, they said that he. They told me like, I can vividly, I can smell the the wood burning in the stove, wood burning stove. Uh-huh. Um, that that he was paralyzed, and they didn't know if he's ever going to walk, and and all the different stuff. And and I and I, as far as affect me, as far as break my heart and and all that, yeah. As far as affect me, it's like should I, you know, am I yeah. going to stop racing hard? No, because I had a friend named Bobby Sullivan when I was really young. Mm-hmm. I, wa- I went through everything with him. I was down at the hospital like every other day. Okay. You know, laying on the ground and talking to him and, you know, listening to him. And, and all he wanted to do was get back on the bike. 
so when when somebody's like that, you last thing you want to do is use it as an excuse because we had some friends back, you know, Bobby and I that yep. used it as an excuse to quit. Right, you know? right. I'm like you puss. You know, <laughs> right, right. Don't, don't you don't don't blame this on Bobby. Yeah, it's not his fault. The same thing. But as far as <clears throat> affect me is, and I was bummed about it, very very bummed. But as yeah. far as when I was on the bike, did I think, um, you know, I'm not going to jump this, or I'm not going to jump that. Yeah, I always. I always thought that maybe you put on uh, – you were one of the few guys that wear a chest pro a lot of times, front and back. Uh, yeah. And so I always thought maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Just I always picture you a lot of times wearing a front and back chest protector. Well, I got run over really bad at the Golden State, and it ripped, ripped – you know, it displaced a vertebrae in my back yeah. and stuff like that. So those were – a lot of times I wanted to wear those for things that I couldn't control. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think I was. I think I was always afraid of the first turn. Right. And you have nightmares of everyone running you over and the guy in the cowie, and then everyone running you over. Exactly. <laughs> he would have. He would have been in front of me. <laughs> right. Uh, best move ever, too. By the way, when you ran your roost two with the number one from Supercross, but you put a two over it. But it was like, hey, don't worry. I'm going to be taking this two off soon. <laughs> uh, I love that. As a kid, I'm like, oh yeah. Look at RJ. He's, don't worry. That two is coming off. Yeah, if I'll you look, just put it on there for a little bit. Yeah, if you look underneath, there's still yeah. that one. Uh, it's still there, still there. <laughs> um, and this is going to be favorite national track. Do you have one? Favorite national track. Yeah. Um, is there one that stands out? Well, Unadilla wasn't a national track until the very end. Right. So, um, old school Unadilla was was awesome. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Millville really good, but I, I have to say my favorite was Saddleback. Saddleback? Well, yeah. Wow. I've seen some video. I don't know how that could be your favorite, but I guess you grew up on that, right? Well, it was the it was long. It was fast. Yeah, but it was, uh, like it was concrete and dusty and rough as shit. Yeah, but that so but so was everything back then. <laughs> right. Good point. Right. You know, but but the, and when it was groomed right the first the first year we went there, I uh-huh. think in, I think it was eighty four or no earlier 80, than that. Eighty three was a suicide no, was mountain Google. thing. Yeah. When Washougal was when Washougal was groomed right, like in '86, it was dusty. Like yeah. their hoses broke or something like that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> just favorite track uh, was Mammoth because they were the ones that brought in fire hoses right. and and consistent watering. I don't even know um, if you can possibly answer this one, but your your best ride ever. I mean, is there one? God, yeah, it was, it, okay. um, I would say the fastest that I ever felt and just invincible. Um, was the 1988 Daytona? 88 was, Daytona. Okay. I yeah. was I was I did some stuff there where I had to like in the next couple of turns go damn <laughs> man, that was serious you know um, where I felt so strong mind body and soul I was on top of it you know you know what I don't think I've ever seen that race to be honest I don't think yeah, I have I, it yeah I, I think I just I I just felt yeah I felt invincible and then I felt really good at Seattle. Um, right before I got hurt mm-hmm. in '89, uh, yeah, yeah, like I was passing everybody, and it was it was second. I mean, it was beyond second nature. I would like when I pass Romero, we go off the takeoff, and for some reason, I see something in him, and instead of jumping behind him to set him up for the next turn, I just cut to the inside. He cases it, I pass him, and it just it was it was effortless. Right, right. Uh, 88 Disnations, probably the, the one time that you were most pissed off at Ronnie because he, he was pretty much unbeatable that day. No, 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 no. no. Okay. <laughs> what? Let's back, up. Let's back up. Okay. I mean, how do we want to be 
are we telling the hundred percent truth? Well, here? I don't know. He went one one on the five hundred. He smoked everybody, didn't he? Yeah, but he I let him start on the front row because I ah, knew that okay. I could come from the back. All right, okay. And because I knew I, because it was a really long start, and I right. knew that I could not get a whole shot. And what we did in 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 '86 was we had the inside gate. And there was room, so I started when I lined up on the line. Yeah. I crowded the guy to my right. Oh, okay. So because so, I knew I could same thing, I knew I could get a whole shot against five hundred. So when David started behind me, he mm-hmm. he was over to the left, so he had a clear run. Right. But as soon as I took off, I leaned into that guy, which he leaned into that guy, he leaned into that guy, yeah, and yeah. David <laughs> David whole shot it up the inside from the back. Well, right. Right. And so in, in eighty eight. It wasn't like that. We were we were over to the outside, and it was a really fast, long first turn. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't do me or anybody else any good because everybody opened up the turn and was shoved us into the fence. Yeah, yeah. So we said, <clears throat> I said, I can pass. I'll start in the back. Ronnie, you get in front and go. Yeah. Well, Ronnie got in front. Rob Herring was behind him. I got, you know, shitty start, yeah. worked my way up, got in, got to third behind those guys, and the motor ran out, and they won. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't mad at Ronnie at all. I was mad at Ronnie because he went, uh, and I'll leave it like this, he went to Amsterdam. Uh, yeah, or, I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> and we had to make sure that we, they weren't going to do any testing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think he got in on uh, that early morning of the race or something. He said he saw you guys leaving the, for the race, uh, and he had to, like, yeah, just getting home or whatever, you know? That was a couple times. I'd be going out to run in the morning, and he'd be coming in. But. Um. You talk about the Jeff Ward thing with you guys riding at the, the flower track there. Did at the height of the Ron Lachine, Rick Johnson era, were you guys at the same track in El Cajon and not speaking? No, no, no. no. Ronnie, Ronnie had barely ever rode. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, good point. Ronnie right. would go out and play ride in these, in these hill tracks and stuff right. like that. And, and so we didn't cross paths that much. Okay. Um, uh, I guess the next question, so yes, yeah, so 88 Daytona. Uh, give me your best uh, Jean-Michel Bale story. Best Jean-Michel Bell story. Yeah. Um, we're in Japan. We're testing, and um, he, Jean-Michel, if he said if he won, I think that's when he won all three championships or something. Yeah. It was like right before. It was one of my last Supercross. I think it was ninety. It was ninety at Japan Supercross. Yep. So uh, I don't remember. I, did, I think the JMB win all three that year. Ninety-one. He won all three. Okay, so it was in ninety. Yep. And so, um, and so. He wants to go. He wants to test. He did something, and he wants to test uh, a road race bike. So we're at Toshigi, the head haunted test facility. Mm-hmm. I have two. I have two stories from 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 that from this the one week. So I'm there testing the automatic, which was unbelievable. Right. So so friggin' fast. I've heard. Um, yeah. But would have been terrible for Supercross, but unbelievable for outdoors. Um, Bale gets on a bike. Never drug his knee ever. So he goes out there, he's riding around, and so he comes in, he's got this big smile on his face, he's finally drug his knee, mm-hmm. all right? About 45 minutes later, he's within two-tenths of the Japan champion and the guy who tests there every day. <laughs> right. I mean, just, right. Just, just unbelievable talent. Then the next story is, so they have these 50s and all these funky little bikes with these little Z50s, and so Stan and Bale and I start getting on these things and start cruising around. So my Jeff Stanton version of that is... <laughs> <laughs> there's this big hole that they dug, you know, and it doesn't look like it, but when you get down there, there's these sticker bushes that are like six feet tall, mm-hmm. and they have like these little burrs in them. Well, he goes down through there, <laughs> and he comes out, and so he's, he won't show me, but he gets, he's taking all the stickers out, so he comes, he gets me and Dave Arnold to go, oh, yeah, you guys got to go check that out, go down there. Yeah, yeah. 
And Dave goes down there and gets just the stickers from head to toe. I don't get it. Then Bale comes over and goes, RJ, come here. Man, I want to show you something. So he takes me over there, and there's this painted, perfectly painted circle. We don't know what it's for. Yeah. Anyways, Bale gets going around more and more in a tighter and tighter circle yeah. to where he gets to where he's dragging the foot peg in his knee, and so now it's kind of picking up the back wheel, so he's drifting the thing around yeah. in a circle. Yeah, yeah. But he's shredding this He's shredding this thing, but we don't think anything of it. It's a big deal. Yeah. He's scratching the paint. Right, right. Well, we park the thing. Next thing you know, security guards come over. <laughs> They're all screaming. This is some special, like, some special pad for what it was. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. Because we couldn't understand them. Yeah. And he just tore the thing yeah. to smithereens. <laughs> just doing, going around and around on a Z50. Yep, yep. Um, those are my, those are, that and then beating him when I came back after I broke my head, my yeah, wrist. But, yeah, at, uh, at Dilla? Yep, yeah. Dilla warmed warm down. He, he had won every moto until that point, and he was so much faster than me. He was three seconds a lap faster than me. Yeah. First lap, three seconds. Second lap, and I was going as fast as I could go. Right. Second lap, you know, six, nine, 12. Then it went 12, 12, 10. Nine, eight. I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, I got you now. Right, right. And so then I passed him, and then he he hit the wall. Uh, best bike you ever raced? Best bike was would be um, my '86 or my '88 um, yeah. Honda. The '88s were, were pretty bad looking. Yeah, you always you always went upside down forks ahead of everybody else. Well, I liked them because I could I could go in, I could hit stuff harder. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and they wouldn't flex. Right. You know, yeah, so that point. was that was why I pushed for those. Yeah, you know, you watch old videos of you, and you're so much more aggressive and so much better in the whoops than these guys. And, I mean, obviously the guys you're racing against are some of the best in the world, but you can really tell, like, you're aggro for these yeah. dudes, you know, uh, compared to the guys you're riding. Like, you're just, right. you're attacking the track, you know? Well, that was why I made the bike that way. If right. I made it stiff, and it, so then if all I had to do was make myself stronger, I could go do that, but right. you can't. If your if your front wheel's flexing and deflecting off of whoops and all the different stuff, right. you can't be precise on what you do. So make your, it's it's an easy fix if I just need to hold on tighter. Uh, easy bench race question here. How old are you when you do your wrist? How old was I when I did? Yeah, eighty nine. Are you 26? twenty six? Twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. How many more years do you think you go on winning? Two, three. Me? Yeah. Now? Two more years. Two more, yeah. Two, two more years in the discipline that I've got that I'm in now, yeah. And and then we'll see. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be that guy, yeah. You know, I don't want to be Kurt Leduc, who people don't know who he is, but he's an old dude that his kids race, and yeah. And he's out there, and you got to give him props, but he yeah. just, you know, if I'm not relevant, I'm going to move on. Yeah, yeah. And same thing with the moto. Exactly. Um, you know, I don't know if you, you you can decline to answer this. I ask a lot of guys this. The, most money you made in one year? I mean, you a million can do bucks. A million? Yep. Um, I does everything. Those. Yeah. Contract winnings, bonuses, so, Europe. Right. Um, everything. Stanton told me he used to make more money in the off season than he did the entire Honda contract. Uh, the, probably did. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I I pushed hard to get our to get the start money up, and, it, right. and to be honest with you, the start money went up because I didn't want to go. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, right, so it, was, right. it started at five grand, and so <clears throat> so Luongo, you know, approached me about mm-hmm. going to some race, and I didn't want to go, and so I yeah. didn't want to say no. So I said ten grand. Yeah. He goes, okay. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> and then, so then, then it was like, okay, twenty grand. Okay, what? Right. You know, it, it, and that's honestly the way the way it, it got. You know, where Jeremy was. 
I mean, Jeremy and Stanton and those guys were killing it. Yeah, hundred, a hundred for Bercy at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Can you imagine we started, we started there at a thousand bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were at the first ever Bercy, correct? Yeah, yeah. First ever one. Yeah, yeah. they did two. They they raced twice in '84. Right, right. Um, yeah, I still uh, I go every year. Uh, Xavier gets me there. Yep. Um, every year and re- report on it from Racer X and uh, yeah, he's got some great stories about you guys back in the day. Yeah. Um, my for uh, wrap this thing up with my own personal uh, favor, and I don't know, you may not have one, but do you have a uh, my my childhood hero, Ross Rollerball Peterson? Yeah. You know, being from Canada. Yep. Uh, what's your best rollerball story if you have one? At one time, he got third to you at the Majoria uh, Masters of Italy Cross. By the way, just yeah. want to let you know that. Well, <laughs> he didn't beat you. He didn't beat you, RJ, but he got third. <laughs> hey, I loved rollerball. Him and Meeks, you know, Marshall. Yeah. Um, they were always a good. They were always good guys to be around. And unfortunately for me, I wasn't. I, I never got. I had to. I was a couple steps faster yeah, than rollerball, right? Because I watched him at a race in Canada at the Molson Cup. I think it was in '83, '84. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> might have been '85. I can't remember. Anyways. And I'm watching him pass these guys, and he would come in and take them out. I mean, just <laughs> right, flat right. take them out and go down. And he was, he was getting up before he hit before he hit the ground. Right. right and I'm right. like, that is that is a badass technique. You know what I mean? That I know that we're both hitting the ground, but I'm going to be up before you are and gone. <laughs> right. Pick up pass. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Just just knock a dude down. Pick uh, pick, up his, pick up his bike and go. And uh, I, you know, to me, I just I always remember the smile and. Always at the races, and you know the, they were the underdogs. You know yeah. him and him and Marshall, but they were to me they were they were they were such good dudes. And then Marshall and I were still to this day great friends. He took me to a a, a Red Wings game when uh, I, you know I didn't know any better and how yeah. crazy you know hockey, yeah. hockey fans are and stuff. And so you know, and I, I felt bad. I think it was for the the uh, Toronto Blue Wings or what? Or no, Blue Toronto Wings. Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs, yeah. And so <clears throat> the Detroit Red Wings score, and ah, yeah, yeah. it was nuts, and the song, and all this crazy shit goes on. <laughs> and then, then you know, I'm like, man, I feel sorry for these guys, you know, these yeah, other yeah. guys. And then, then the Maple Leafs score, and it's just like, er, put, and then put the puck right back in the yeah. middle and go. <laughs> so I'm like, the next score, I'm like, so I clap for him. And Marshall's like, sit your ass down. <laughs> You're going to get us both beat up. And I'm like, what, man? You got to. Yeah. So so Marshall Marshall played hockey with some of these guys, and so he got me like some a cool puck. Oh yeah, yeah, some cool stuff. But but rollerball is yeah. rollerball was always a, a yeah. really good dude to me. Third third behind you in '87 Hangtown, by the way. There you I'm go. I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> hey, I kept you only 48 minutes longer than I said. Um, there you go. Thank you for doing the BTOSports.com Racer X podcast uh, presented by Thor MX and presented by Lou Lopez too. Yeah, yeah, brought to you by Lou Lopez and all the gr- all the fine products that you can get through Parts Unlimited, Unlimited. <laughs> uh your your friendly dealer. Um no, thank you man. I can cross this off my bucket list. Uh, a podcast with the great uh, Rick Johnson. Awesome stories and uh and thank you very much man. I really appreciate it and uh yeah, I think people are going to dig this one. I hope they I hope they enjoy it. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks RJ. Take care man. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200-episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.